Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the wind down. I'm here with Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good, thanks. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'd like to say, where are we and what are we drinking? But we're week nine of the lockdown now, so I guess we're still at home. Um, yes, that would be correct. That's very, um, very observative. <laughs> yeah, so so what, what are we drinking today, Scott? You, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I've actually I've dug something out of the back. I've actually got a, a nice little Penfolds Bin 150. Ooh. And it's a, um, oh yeah, this is, this is a lovely drop. And the, the, the thing I like about this, it's, uh, it's only been around since 2008. And you think about all the, the traditional Penfold reds that have been uh, here forever sort of thing. Um, and all of a sudden, and, and this would have been 2011, I think, or late 2010 it came out. And it's mm-hmm. the 2008 vintage. And all of a sudden, hey, they've got a new offering. Oh, really? That's sort of come out of nowhere. And um, it's really good. And it was really Excellent. good back then. I got, I got some of the first ones when they came out. They were beautiful. And um, this hasn't changed. This one's a 2015 vintage. Okay. Um, I just so started I've got, with I've, bits and pieces I've forgotten in the back of the cellar and thought, oh, I probably should drink that before it turns into a bit of, uh, a bit of vinegar. Mm. This is lovely. Well, I've got a 2015 Taylor's Cabernet Sauvignon with more you know, gold medals, which actually work really well with the green screen, not? Um, and silver medals and all sorts of stuff from the Clare Valley. That is awesome, too. Now, today we have a, a special guest with us again, don't we? We do indeed. It's been really wonderful finding these special guests. It is. So, James Vickery from Benchmark 365. James, where are you? What are you drinking? Hello guys. Well, I'm in Sydney uh, in in lockdown um, for what is it nine nine weeks now? I I've lost track of the days, and I'm drinking a bottle of Cat Amongst the Pigeons, which is a a, a Barossa Shiraz Cab Sav. Um, I must admit, I grabbed the first thing that that I found in the. Um, I'm not going to say cellar because I can't have a cellar. It always evaporates. <laughs> I, I, it's not the cellar. It, it came out of the cupboard. But I've yep. just had a little sip of it. It's not too bad. It's, it's, it's going down all right at the end of the day here in here in lockdown life. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So we're, we're all in Sydney. So we're all in the same boat, all, all in lockdown, mm. you know, 900 and something cases today. Did I say 9,000? I'll save that till September. But, but, <laughs> but there we are. So today, and as I, as I introduced the wind down, as, as I talked about what we're doing, we're talking about trends in technology. So Scott, fire, let's fire a question at James. Yeah. So we've, we've been working a bit with um, automation in the, in the last little while, looking at how do we automate client businesses? How do we take all those manual controls out? How do we make them more efficient, deliver more more data visibility and so forth? And what, what have you been seeing out there? We've been having a lot of fun with that, but you're, you're across being, a, I guess, a supplier to MSPs. You get to see what all the partners are doing. Um, and without going into anything confidential of that, just what what are the sure. general things that have been going on out there? Where are you seeing successes and what, what are businesses doing? Well, isn't, isn't that the great thing about our industry is there's nothing too confidential out there when it comes to <laughs> um, technology because the, our our community love to share with one another what they've found and mm. what they've discovered. And, and so it's been awesome working at Benchmark, working with MSPs because we get to collaborate and just talk about, you know, ways that they're improving customer experience. Um our business uh, focuses a lot on the on the things that can't be automated. You know, we're we're helping MSPs by supplying um, 
personnel to them uh, to be able to work 24 hours a day. And we supply some tools to help enable them too. And it's interesting to see that even though we take that element um, and, and deliver it, they're then looking for more and more ways to improve customer experience. So I think where we're seeing a lot of automation is ways to integrate um, key business systems together. So I think we're seeing a lot more integration with things like Microsoft Teams. We're seeing a lot more um, customer experience type tools out there where the customer's actually interfacing with an app in order to get IT support or tech support. So things like that tend to, tend to you know, despite the fact that um, there is automation, there's always a, a manual component or a labor component. So it seems to be automation around um, helping people deliver their service better to the customer. And you're finding that uh, clients are really sort of getting stuck into this now. And as you know, some are sort of back in the oh, look, we're okay. We've done it this way for 20 years. What's wrong with this? I like this. And you've got others that are sort of right at the bleeding edge of technology, going, I, I don't yeah. actually want any paper in the business. Right. I think it's a fine line. I think like if you look at IT as service, if you look at managed services, which is the industry that that, that, that we're serving, and you look at the end customer, they come in all shapes, sizes, and demographics, right? You've got um, new, fresh startups that are like, they've never even heard of a server. There's no such thing as that. Everything's Everything since the day they were born is a button on an iPad, you know, or something like that. And so you've got that generation that are like, they don't pick up the phone, they want to chat with support, you know, if, if at all, or they want to solve problems themselves. And so they need tools that enable them to do that. But then you've still got a large swath of, you know, baby boomers, you know, people that are sort of like of, a, of an ilk that like to pick up the phone, like to talk to people, and now just looking at ways to do that a little bit easier and a little bit more cost effectively as well. So it's it's really interesting where we sit, but we see the, we see the difference depending on um, the demographic that the MSP themselves actually service. Yeah, and you know, it's a it's an interesting thing because I've spoken to um, some of the born in the cloud, as we call them, partners that that we know of, who are right up there delivering everything purely modern and not focused on anything else. And you'll put them in front of a client that perhaps is nowhere near where their mindset is. Like they may be, oh, we've got these physical servers, we've got this equipment on site that needs to plug into these old serial interfaces, and mm. they sort of start scratching their heads about it. What, what, what do we do with that? And you've got to find some blend that sort of works, mixing the, the, the good and the and the bad, because uh, especially in uh, manufacturing land, equipment can last 20, 25, 30 mm. years quite easily, and mm. the systems that drive that don't necessarily stay cloud-connected. And this is the value of, of being a, a strong service provider in the, in, in the industry where you know, you've got to be very careful that you don't alienate a customer, that the customer says, mm. actually, it's been working quite well for 20 years. It's working really fine. We just need you to support it. Um, and if you kind of make them feel like, no, that's not what we do. We only work with next generation technologies. You just lost yourself a customer, right? Like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, you know, and you, you've made that, you've made that end customer feel like, you know, that they're, they're maybe not a good fit for you. Um, but at the same time, if you start talking about old, you know, technologies to a savvy startup business that was born in the cloud, you're going to have a problem as well. So I think it's about adaptability, knowing who you service, knowing what you're good at, um, and building the right solutions around that to to, to support the need. Yeah, look, it's, and it's, a, it's a good point. Go, sorry, go on. 
No, no, you're fine, Scott. You well, can keep talking, well, but I thought okay. I'd say something because I was just going to say there, there is that's the, the important thing you've hit on there blending technology with business because the technology mm. bit says, Show me the shiny toy, show me the new mm. thing about hey, I, hey, this thing's been out more than a week. Oh, god, that's well, we're going to get rid of that. Um, no, mm. no, no, but and then there's the business side of how do I show value from the investments that I've been making in technology? I can't mm. just keep buying new things every month because it's the newer version or the newer colour or whatever it is. That's not mm. really going to deliver value. Show me the output that these systems can do for me as a business and mm. then I'll get excited. Right. So, so, yeah, I was just going to say, and as well, let me put a lens on that if I can, because a lot of our audience are business owners rather mm. than managed service providers. So, so, you know, from a business owner lens, and I've seen this change in organizations as they've shifted from traditional IT to cloud-based IT to buying things on subscription versus buying things lumpy, up and down and lumpy, from the traditional service provider selling a server and services every four years to now selling these subscription services. Of that transition from one to the other, where do you think our industry is in Australia? Um, and and if you know, do you reckon that compares favourably with what they're doing in the states, or are we lagging or, or leading? And and is that being led by customers or being led by vendors? So there's a bunch of questions. To I, I, into, I'll, I'll hone in on where we're at in terms of um, innovation compared to other markets. I think Australia has always led the way in terms of adoption of technology. Mm. We, we, we seem to have a mindset here in Australia that if like if that makes sense, just do it. You know, like if that, you know, if that new piece of technology comes out and it's going to accelerate productivity in some way and help us be more agile, Aussies tend to be really great adopters of technology. We have, you know, enormous numbers of um, uh, customers by proxy in the United States. And it's fascinating. I mean, it's the world's largest economy, but still we see a lot of uh, IT providers saying, hey, I've got to go and roll a truck to go out and do some on-site support. And you almost never hear that, yeah. <laughs> hear that in Australia, particularly in small businesses, like I'm just going to log on remotely and do it. Um, we're still seeing like traditional hardware, you know, boxes and servers and this, that and the other thing. Um, over in over in the US and in and in Europe as well, uh, but in Australia, people adopted things like Microsoft three six five, like that. It, was, it almost happened overnight in Australia compared to um, some of the other markets that we're in. I don't know if that that helps, but it, it seems like Aussies do very much get on the front foot um, if it makes sense. You know, and I've actually seen that with some of the tools that we use. So we have things as service providers that allow us to put things like an agent on a client computer that says if there's a need to support them or to do what we can connect remotely we can see the stats we can take control and update and fix things with, with people watching and giving us control um, mm -hmm. in some of the european countries um, i've seen that 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 phase is only just starting to appear and we've been doing this here mm -hmm. since well, like 2000 sort of thing just over, just on 2000 but because it's very much a no, keep people employed. No, it's on site. It's feet on the ground. It's the old sneaker net approach. They're mm. only just getting to the stage, and this is from talking to the vendors. They're saying, "Oh, the, the European markets are slowly starting to pick up our tool sets now." So, mm. hang on, really? That's wow. That's a big shift from twenty years, and that's where their growth opportunities are. Whereas mm. for us, it's really about no. It's a very mature market, and it's been interesting watching that. It is fascinating. We, we, we got a sort of like a live feed on that when we started Benchmark. When we originally started Benchmark, we thought, oh, we'll be a little Aussie help desk company <laughs> helping other IT providers. And then we got bombarded with, with leads and opportunities from, from the US and Europe. 
I think it helps you realise that um, we are a very forward-thinking nation um, in, in terms of what we do, but we're also quite constrained from a labour perspective. So we don't have low-cost labour in this country. We have a set standard commercially. Um, that's not entirely true in the Northern Hemisphere. And so some of these things where we're like, we're pushing for automation, we're pushing to do things um, as automated and use as little labour as possible to deliver something. That is as a result, I think, of the economy that we live in in Australia. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that, if that changes due to COVID, but um, right now it's a very robust and, you know, people uh, people have an expectation of a certain income level. As soon as you start to head north, that actually changes and automation then doesn't quite stack up because a lot of the automation tools are quite, you know, priced, to, priced at a point where some businesses say, wait, I can actually just get someone to drive on out and fix that for me for, for cheap, right? I think that's part of what we're seeing, seeing down under, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the that's conundrum, though. Yeah, I, I mean, we've, we've gone full circle past that. If we outsource this manually intensive function, um, mm. we can, you know, that may take three people at a high rate of cost here to do. We can mm. send it to a country where we could actually have 10 people at a lower rate of cost do it, and because we've got 10 mm. people, we can get more of it done. But the next phase beyond that is you bought the computer. Get the computer to do it for you. Now, it depends, of course, on what the function is. It's right. not necessarily always going to be the, the, the client support yeah. or the whatever, but if you're talking about report generation or you're talking about uh, manual tasks that can be here, just follow the bouncing ball and do it, that's mm. going to be a big change to some of the countries that have got a lot of people in that sort of low-wage area and yeah. worry about what's going to happen to them yeah let's if we take a step back the, the world is on a never-ending journey of automation you know if you go all the way back through the industrial age you see that <laughs> humans humans are hell-bent on not working right like we want <laughs> yes. we want we want the freedom you know um i was just talking to a really great friend of mine that he grew up on a farm with no electricity, uh, where you had to boil water, boil water to you know, and all of that. And um, you, you think it wasn't really that long ago that that was the norm, and we worked really hard to make sure that we could level up um, to the next level. My experience has been, and we've been outsourcing to to countries for nearly nearly ten years. My experience has been the labour never actually goes away. It's just that the requirements change. And so, you know, the thing that we automate today just opens up another set of manual tasks that are of a higher function, right? I think about reporting. I had this amazing reporting platform. It was like a dashboard that would give me all these numbers up on the dashboard. And so we saved a bunch of time by having the, the, the stuff just up on the dashboard. It was great. But then what I figured was, well, those are interesting numbers, but I want to go deeper, much deeper, and I want someone to analyse what that number means, what it means to my business, and how we can make that number better. Dashboard's not going to do that, right? The next AI will do that, but the AI for that doesn't exist or is too expensive for a small business to do that. So what did we do? We hired reports analysts, and the report, that was a job that didn't exist before. Now the reports analysts are looking at the data behind the dashboard and saying, actually, James, the dashboard's wrong or the dashboard needs updating or here's some more insights into the data. So the work didn't go away. 
the work just moved higher up to a higher tier. And I fundamentally believe that will continue to happen in society, regardless of how much we automate. That's very interesting. So, so James, tell us about Benchmark 365, because you kind of touched on it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, is, it, is, it, is it 365, 365 or 365, or does that depend I, on the geo? <laughs> I started when I when I named the company. Actually, when it's a it's a name of a business that was sitting in a bottom drawer for another completely different idea that I had years ago. And then when we decided to start this 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 new business, I was like, oh, I've got a name, and I just I just grabbed it out. But I thought it was three six five, but the Americans say three sixty five, and so we just whatever they want to say, but it's three sixty five. Um, so. Uh, I'll do, give a really short version. So I, I started an IT support business called I Know IT, I Know It, 20 years ago when I was young, stupid and unemployed and had no idea what I was getting myself into. All I knew is I knew how to, like, fix printers and stuff. And so I went and knocked on doors and I started picking up work um, by doing that. And I, I didn't know how to run a business and I was, I was around 22, 23 years of age. Um, and then that business grew, but as I started to try to grow the business further and further, I found that I was hitting a number of constraints. Um, and most of those constraints surrounded our ability to scale a service business. And anyone that's in the audience that's listening will know that running a small business can really be two steps forward, two steps back. And when you try to link it back, there's usually two reasons, maybe three. Um, one is your ability to, to, to really think big in terms of growing a company in a significant way. Sometimes we get bogged down in the minutia of running a small business. The second thing is good people are really, really hard to find. And when you do find them, they're really hard to retain. And the third thing is, all businesses need marketing and sales and most of us struggle with that, right? Because it's either resource intensive or capital intensive and usually both. So I didn't know any of that. All I knew was, man, I've been at this for 10 years and my business isn't growing and I'm putting my heart and soul into this thing and it's just not going anywhere. So I went on a journey to try to learn how businesses scale and I found myself in the Philippines um, and I was shocked to see that there were businesses that were just like mine, but they had like 50 people, 100 people. One company I met had 100,000 employees, 100,000 employees. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm in Sydney. I've got, you know, I'm a, not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm all right. You know, why can't I grow to 50 people at least, you know? And so I started a journey of learning how to build teams and learning how to build you know, like build scale. And I, I figured that working in somewhere like the Philippines, instead of hiring one person, training them, having them leave, I'd hire five people, right, because there was some cost efficiency. And, and then I tried, I tried another role and I hired five people and I tried another role. And eventually what I learned is that through a lot of grey hair and frustration, I learned that um, one of the biggest differences between small business and big business is simply redundancy. Just like, you know, if, if, if Mary's away, the phone doesn't get answered, right? If John's away, the invoices don't go out and so on. And so there was always these gaps, but as soon as we got a bit of scale, we never stopped. And the customers started to notice and the customers started to spend more. 
as a result of that. And then when, once that was bedded down, I started to focus on sales and I'd never had the opportunity to do that before because I was too busy looking for people, chasing squirrels, trying to, you know, just trying to manage the business. So to cut it again, to cut a long, really long story short, we got good and we got reasonably big um, and started uh, providing 24-7 tech support services to our customers in Australia. Um, then we started to get knocks on the door from our community in the IT industry saying, hey, how did you do that? And I would be like, come on, fly over to the Philippines. I'll show you how to do it. And nobody wanted to do it. Um, and the reason being is it's hard. <laughs> it's actually really hard. Um, and I'd been back and forth and travelled and dragged my family over there and, you know, uh, we'd had some good times but we'd had some challenges and so these guys didn't want to do it. So um, one day a, a, a IT provider in Melbourne contacted me and he said, look, I'm just, you know, I've heard about you, I've heard what you've done, I haven't had a holiday in 10 years um, and I'm about to have another, my wife's about to have another baby I run this little IT business. Can you help? I want to take a holiday. I want to take her on holidays. Otherwise, this is our lives. Like we're never going to get a chance to travel. And so we did it. We struck a deal, which is that I would run his IT business for a couple of weeks while he went on holidays. And then he disappeared for two months. And so and so we ran we ran his business from end to end for two months because we were pretty established. We had we knew what we were doing. And despite it being a little bit of a challenge, his customers said. It was better. It actually ran better because we were always available. We didn't miss a call. We were always there. And so that really inspired me to say, okay, if this guy, if this can change this person's circumstance in his life, he came back and remained a partner and we kept supporting one another. Um, but if, if, if he's out there, I wonder if anyone else is out there. And as it turns out, there's a lot, like a lot of small IT providers that were in the same boat. And so we started Benchmark. We came up with this month-to-month -month model where they can tap in, get access to a 24-7 team. We answer their phones. We provide tech support. We provide a whole bunch of tools that um, that they would otherwise need to buy and often are quite difficult um, to afford for a small-stage MSP. Um, and we started supporting them. Then the Americans came online and, man, they just gave us a beating. Like, you know, Australia is a, an interesting place to do business. America is 100 times the pace. And so we, out of that, we got good at quick, 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 quick delivery, then sort of relaunched in Australia. And now, you know, the thing is just growing like crazy, um, which is really cool. So there you go. This is as short as I can get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, was, that was really that was yeah. cool. I love, I, love, I love the story. The story is what, what, what made it very cool. So, wow, what, what an interesting space. Because there's lots of stories about doing things in different countries. And my, my role in Tribe Tech is I run the software dev team. And we, we, we struggle a lot in innovation development. So normal development is easy to offshore. Innovation development gets really hard. So mm. we're, building a, we're building a team of kind of real seniors where we can start driving some real innovation in our customer spaces and into products. But, and that's hard to offshore. I've always struggled mm. with that. But it's easy interesting seeing yeah. how, how you've done it and how you built it that's 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 quite that's quite fascinating so so mm. you've got an interesting vision then not not just here but in the u.s across msps yeah so if you were a customer and you were speaking to a one a, a business owner out there yeah. how would you help them choose an msp what should they look for to know that they're making a, the right decision because there's there's a million offerings out there and it's really hard to decide which is mm. which right 
Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. How long have we got on this podcast? I, <laughs> Until um, it gets boring, really. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Well, I'll see you later. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I, um, look, first and foremost, I think where every single MSP that I meet, every single one, has a capacity problem. And what I mean by that is that despite all the automation, I'm a huge on automation. I mean, we, we have anything that we can automate, we automate. Anything that we can get more efficient, we get more efficient. But the truth is, this is a labour business. IT is a labour business. Why is that? Because the AI is not going to figure out your printer that's connected to the, you know, the bubble jet printer, that's connected to the LPT port, that's got you know low ink and you need to print a tray to and staple it. It's, there's, a, there's a human that has to interpret a complex, what seems like what I just said sounds simple. It's not simple. It's a complex issue that needs to be described to a human being who then needs to troubleshoot it and, and solve it. And that's a fact. And until such time as we see standardization across every element of IT, and I don't know that we're ever going to see that. In this industry, James, you've, you've been in it long enough to know that's, that's, right. that's not yeah. going to happen. That's right. And so it's a labor business. And so we meet MSPs that plan for. It, their whole capacity is planned around best case scenario. It's all planned around, okay, I'm gonna sell to this small business, they have 20 employees, um, I'm gonna sell it for this amount of money per month, and I'm expecting them to call maybe twice a week with a printer issue like that one, and that's it. And that's just not true. What will happen is there will be a spike, and often when there's a spike, there's a spike and it's affecting multiple businesses, like when there's an outage, you know, there's, a, there's a power issue or an internet issue, there's a, some sort of wide scale software problem, then all your clients are calling at once, right? And all of a sudden, your MSP, who you thought you were their best and greatest and you know, like you're, you're their best customer, is constrained and they can't deal with it. And so the first question I would ask an MSP is about how they handle things like that how they're structured, how many people do they have, do they use some sort of augmentation in terms of outsourcing, who do they use, how do they do it, those kinds of things. That would be number one um, because we see that a lot and we see a lot of MSPs wondering why they're struggling with growth is that they don't have enough people, either outsourced or insourced. Second to that is I think these days IT is not nine to five. Um, we've, we've, we've got a big heat map up in our office that shows, you know, one of those big bubble things that shows when people are calling at different times. And it's fascinating that since COVID lockdowns hit early last year, the number of calls we see at 9pm to 10pm in the standard time zone of like East and West Australia, East and West US, East and West mm -hmm. so on. Why is that? Because that's when the kids go to bed. And that's when people go back to their computer to get something done. So from a productivity standpoint, as we move into a world where people are working at all hours to try to keep up, you want an IT provider that's flexible enough. Imagine that your resource in your company can't actually deliver that proposal or can't generate that report because technology was suffering and they couldn't get someone late at night. And so I think um, I think they're two main ones. I could I could go on in, in there's a lot there's a lot of things, um, but they're the two main ones. It's really around are they ready to meet an organisation of your size's needs, 
And have they planned for the worst case scenario, not just the best case scenario for your business? That's fascinating. That's interesting. It's interesting what you say about AI because the media is telling us AI will solve everything and we're yeah. we're playing with things like GPT-3 and OpenAI's Codex and they're just amazing things. But, but you're right, we haven't got the training data for them yet to be able yeah. to solve problems like that. But you can see yeah. it's on the event horizon, right? This this stuff is coming and, and that's going to make the world, I think, quite quite interesting. But you'll always get the person who buys the dodgy bubble jet um, tries to connect it to the serial <laughs> And, and I think the thing is, in a perfect world, like MSP, like this is the thing about managed services, and I know a lot of your audiences might, might either just be like, what, what is that, right? Like what's a managed service provider is someone that's supposed to be wholly and solely accountable for your IT, meaning that, um, that they are guiding you on the right decisions to make in order for them to say, I can assure you that your IT will be up 99.999% of the time. Right, that's what an MSP is or, supposed or, to do, or, or whatever the business requirement for availability is, James. Correct. <laughs> Which might be a hundred percent, or it might be ninety-five. <laughs> but here's the reality. Here's the reality. Not all businesses take every single piece of advice from an MSP as gospel, and they may well have a bubble jet, and they're like, "That bubble jet usually works, and I'm not willing to replace it." with the more expensive line item that you've asked me to replace it with. That's that's where the disparity begins to occur with it, with, with the, a relationship with a managed service provider because it's you want me to be available, you want me to support you, and you want me to guarantee that things don't go down, but you've got the bubble jet in the corner. The truth is most businesses will deviate from the MSP's advice at some point, somewhere along the way. And so it's about, yeah, it's about being able to adapt to that. I tend to suggest, though, that the answer is more around that's great while we work on getting this bubble jet printer working just understand that your competitors are sending pdfs right and there's that whole generational mind shift of you shouldn't be printing in the first place now i know this is specific to the bubble jet but it it applies to any issue that says what is what is the modern way of doing this and is that something that would save you all this problem in the first place I mean, how excruciating is it to go to a, even now I, I went and had my vaccine uh, shot on the weekend and they gave me a clipboard and a pen and I was like, oh, who's been touching this pen? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we're in a COVID clinic. Like, why couldn't you yeah. just send me a Google form or something to my phone? I, I mean, I, I can barely write anymore as it is. You know, I've been in IT for 20 years. You know, I don't, I don't think I, my handwriting's particularly good. The pen, um, I don't think my handwriting's particularly good. Um, why, like, why? I think, and I do think as well as um, IT professionals like like you guys are, your customers need to listen to you. It's like, you know, why are we doing it this way? Why aren't we yeah. doing it a better way? And, and, and why are we focused on how much IT costs and not focused on how much money we're hemorrhaging in terms of employee productivity or customer friction and frustration? Why are we not looking at those numbers? Oh. Well, that's just it. And look, your $49 bubble jet printer or inkjet printer is yeah. going to look pretty silly when it costs you $300 to fix it. Um, exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. I so always use that extreme, the bubble jet. We have seen a few out there in the wild still. Oh, well, we, we, we came across one, yeah, the other day. Yeah, yeah well, we're, we're not, we, we, we spent every week, you bring up some old piece of crunchy technology you saw in a customer site, Scott. Not this, well, this week, I'm going to... I'll say this, this one literally on. had a bug, and oh, I don't yeah. mean it had a problem in the code. I mean, 
the complaint was that it was printing and there was this smudge in the middle of the page because a bug had literally crawled into the printer, seemed to have died in the printer, and the printhead was going squash, 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 pushing it on the page as it was coming wow. out. Um, and it was that old. But anyway. Wow. So... So just mindful of time, we've talked about, you know, what trends we see and we've talked about how to choose an MSP. One of the things we hit every now and then, and it's not something we, we hit that often because we're, we're picking customers carefully. One of the things we hit every now and then is we'll bump into somebody and we're talking about yeah, engaging an MSP and they'll go, but I've got Jenny in the business or John or Bob, and they're either an IT person or they, they've got an interest or they're part-time, mm. and they look at the price of an MSP and go, well, I can't justify that because Jenny mm. likes computers and she can fix things and make them happen. For those mm. types of customers, and you, you see lots of this, I'm sure, James, mm. all over the place. What's the decision to go, you know, you should actually spend the right amount of money on getting decent technology services? Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say is someone there's a reason why you got called in in the first place. I mean, if Jenny uh, was the all-seeing, all-knowing oracle of IT uh, for your business, then why, why are we here? I mean, um, we'd actually, we'd like to hire Jenny, if that's okay. She seems like she knows what she's doing. But the, the, the truth is that there's a reason you get called in. And these are common objections. I mean, we all do it, right? When we, we're talking to a supplier, they put a price in front of us and we're like, oh, actually, everything's actually fine. I don't know. But, and it's like, well, wait a second. Why why has this conversation come about in the first place? And I think we'll find that um, whilst Jenny's doing a great job at certain aspects of um, IT and she's she's by almost by force, she's had to learn. You know, she's had to learn how to work around and fix problems. That's not necessarily what she was really hired to do and I think opening up a discussion with a business owner around what is it if Jenny wasn't bogged down in IT what would she be working on and if they can't answer that question and say oh actually there's a backlog of things that we really her real discipline is x and we need then maybe this isn't the right time to have a discussion but I think often when I ask that question it comes out it's you know that we're actually not performing in this other area of the business. We need Jenny focused on that. Is one. Second is that Jenny may actually have a real passion for IT, but have nobody around her that can actually guide her on some of the new modern innovations in IT. I mean, things are things move so rapidly. Someone that, that that's not their discipline, and they don't have exposure to other networks, and they're not attending IT courses and so on and so forth. Actually, got a real hunger. To learn from somebody and that might be a managed service provider so i think you know in terms of justification i think it's allowing the the, the decision maker the financial decision maker to justify it through knowledge um and and through acceptance that things just aren't really going the way that they want them to go and they can be better cool that james that was a great answer to that question by the way i, I was expecting some glib silver bullet but it was the right answer so. <laughs> 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 well, I'll glue silver bullets next time. Next time, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so people people don't open up conversations about anything unless there's some want or need, right? There's a big difference between wants and needs too. It's often someone will come to you and say, "I want I want you to do the IT because I want faster printing." Just we're on printers today, but when you talk to them, it's like, "Well, the need is that you're still using clipboards." And you're losing customers. 
yeah. right? Want need. There's a price differential that's like that between want and need, right? It's huge, right? Want starts out at 50 bucks. Need can actually be a significant, it could be costing that business a million dollars. And therefore, a good managed service provider can come in and fill that need and solve it. No, ab absolutely, James. That was From brilliant. Home, I'm a little mind. <laughs> I'm a little mindful of the time, so I'll yes. let Scott have a final question. Um, well, I was actually thinking something a little different, but uh, I, I was looking at what, what's the next thing you think is going to be the the changer for businesses, and hopefully that's not a big question. Um, so what's the next big the, the next big change for business? Yeah, the next um, big thing that's going to come along. We've seen automation now. We've seen all the little bit of AI coming in, but that is yeah. sort of really mainstream, tail end focused. But yeah, I think the the elephant in the room is security. Um, businesses Ooh. around the world are heavily heavily exposed to malicious. Um, attackers that they can be state-based, um, looking to looking to do serious damage um, broadly to a to a to an industry or to a country. Uh, they can be Johnny in his garage that can make a quick buck out of you through his skills, or somewhere in between. Um, businesses are heavily exposed and need to get advice as soon as possible and need to start hardening their networks as soon as possible. You only have to flick through the media every day. It's every day now. It's not, a, yeah, it's it's not, not sci-fi. It's real and yeah. it's costing businesses a lot of money, if not costing their businesses. So I think that's the that's the focal point. Look, it's, a, it's actually a great answer. And I'll, I'll say that when we've approached potential clients from with a security mindset going, we can help you improve security, we can do all these security related things that the eyes sort of glaze over and say, yeah, but that's not my problem. My problem is this in the business or my problem yeah. is it's cost me too much. No one thinks about the security, but I know as IT providers, we mm. see what's happening out there real time and it's starting mm. to get quite scary. So uh, what are you saying? Yeah, how many taxes did man? I get this yeah. week with you? Sorry, how many taxes did I get this week with you've got a voicemail, which leads yeah. to malware for my phone? And then the kids talk about an Instagram malware that's going mm. around. So I will I will just plug, if you're watching this down below, the Essential 8, which is at least a set of things to start thinking about from security. And we've got a bunch of bunch of podcasts about this as well. But I'll, I'll let you go now, James. Sorry. I was going to say that exactly what you just described there, and that looks great, the essential aid, um, what you just described there, Scott, mm. is want, need, right? So yeah. I, I just want my IT working well. well. Why? Well, because we've got a business. Okay, what does your business do? We do uh, mortgage broking. Okay, great. What? What's your revenue? It's this. Where do you want your revenue to be? Here. Okay. So what we have is a business that wants to operate more efficiently, but what we we have a need to protect that business mm. from going down or you'll go backwards. Want, need, right? And so the more that um, IT providers are able to have that conversation and not in a fear-mongering way, but simply to point out that this is a this is a real threat. This is not a joke. Mm. This is real. Um, and to make an investment in that as a minimum and then start to invest in all of the desires that you have for your productivity in your business as well. Exactly. Yeah.
that's a that's a super cool answer james it's been it's been a fascinating session i will say it's actually been our longest wind down yes. but that's because it was interesting so if it, if it wasn't we'd have cut you off about 10 minutes ago but, um... <laughs> that's, that's good to know <laughs> thank you guys well thank you for having me and any excuse to drink wine i mean it was I, I was actually having a wine-free week and then I saw it in the calendar and I, I thought, oh, well, it's hump day. I better pop yeah, it's, the it's, it's, so. it's, it's, it's <laughs> a great way, great way to finish a Wednesday. But, James, you know, on behalf of, of us and everyone, thank you so much for coming on the show today. To everybody who's watching live, thank you so much for watching live. Um, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know what subjects you want us to discuss. For those of you who are watching it later or listening to our, our podcast, thank you so much. Again, do leave us a comment. We read all of them. Um, do like and subscribe because it helps the algorithms. Um, and then really it's up to us to say, thank you so much for um listening for us chatting to you for about 40 minutes um james thank you so much for being on the show it's much appreciated um, and scott guys. no worries thanks for being there too yes thank you thank you everyone have a lovely rest of your week have a great rest thank of the week bye-bye now you guys bye, bye.